0: Today on Citycast Madison. The drama at our state supreme court continues. The latest, three voters have sued asking the Wisconsin Supreme Court to block any state assembly vote to impeach Janet Protasiewicz. They say impeachment would invalidate their constitutional voting rights. The power tango between the Republican-controlled state legislature and the now liberal majority court is in full swing. Wisconsin Watch obtained emails that show considerable tension in the early weeks of Justice Janet's arrival on the court. We sat down with their state house reporter, Jack Kelly, to get the story. It's Wednesday, September 13th. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. Jack, hello.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Of course. So, what's the atmosphere over at the state supreme court like right now?
1: Oh boy, things are a little contentious, though. I, you know, I've heard from folks that people are making an effort to to work together, though uh, publicly at least, uh, things seem. Okay, they had a rules hearing last week. Uh, You know, everybody was very polite. They apologized when they interrupted one another. You know, they were holding the door open for each other as they came in and out of the chamber. Behind the scenes, in private, in emails, things are a little testy.
0: (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, I was like, well, some of that sounds good because this has been an unprecedentedly public moment of some drama for the court what you know intimately with your reporting. Uh, So for the first time in 15 years, a liberal leaning block of justices earned the majority on the court. That happened when Justice Janet was sworn in on August 1st. And within days, the court's conservative chief justice, Annette Ziegler, made a public statement saying, quote, four rogue members of the court met in a secret unscheduled, illegitimate closed meeting, an attempt to gut the chief justice's constitutional authority, a.k.a. her, as administrator of the court. Jack, can you walk us through what prompted that?
1: Yeah, I mean, what prompted that was basically the culmination of a very chaotic first week with liberals being the majority on the Wisconsin Supreme Court um, for the first time in you know, recent memory. Effectively, what happened was that the four liberal members of the court, so we have Justice Janet Protasiewicz, the newest member, as you just mentioned, uh, and her colleagues, Ann Walsh-Bradley, Rebecca Dalit, and Jill Karofsky, uh, and the four of them met to adopt a series of Supreme Court rule changes and changes to the court's internal operating procedures. Now, that sounds really technical and, and a little dull, Frankly, it is. But the changes had uh, some real consequences, uh, and probably the largest one being is that they created what they are calling a the Supreme Court Administrative Committee, which they've taken responsibilities away from the chief justice, Annette Ziegler, the con- a conservative, and given them to this committee, which is made up of two liberal justices and Ziegler. Um, and so she was very upset um felt that her authority was you know being taken away was being questioned uh now her comments that this was unscheduled uh did, done in secret are not entirely accurate uh we obtained emails and our reporting shows this that the liberal members had been asking for a meeting in august for weeks that they were regularly showing their conservative colleagues uh, and discussing this meeting with their colleagues, they, they were invited in per, to participate in person. They were invited to participate over Zoom. They were invited to vote on the issues via email and they chose not to participate. So her, her statement that this you know happened in the dark without them knowing is, is not entirely accurate.
0: Got it. So they created this new court committee for administration um, with the three justices on it. Um, how does the new committee work?
1: Yeah, that remains a little bit unclear. Um, at least to my knowledge, the committee has not met yet, though, you know, they might be doing that in private. Uh, the court often operates in private. You know, it's, it's tough to have deliberations about cases, scheduling, et cetera, in the public view. Uh, and that is a lot of what this committee will be doing. Um, but effectively, if, if you look at the rule change and you look at the operating procedures, you know, it's a three member committee. They meet. In theory, they vote on the direction they want to go, and liberals control that committee two to one. So you can expect that a lot of the decisions coming out of that will be uh, you know, against the will of the conservative majority and in favor of what the liberal majority wants to pursue.
0: Am I correct in thinking that some of the changes that were voted on in terms of what was reined away from the, the current conservative justice are things around... Her no longer being the sole decision maker for assigning jobs to the committee and appointments around the Wisconsin Judicial College, overseeing the state courts director, picking members of state level judicial committees and planning and policy advisory committee and even some budget things like there's actually some hefty changes here.
1: Yeah, I mean, and those to me are some of the more minor things. Those are the administrative
0: oh. tasks. It <laughs> Sounds <laughs> Okay, sounds hefty to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, those are the administrative tasks of the chief justice, right? How the court operates important. They they gave them some themselves power over what I would say are much more critical things like scheduling oral arguments in a case.
0: Mm, sure. Uh,
1: obviously, there are some potentially time sensitive litigation potentially before the court if they agree to hear it. Of course, talking about the redistricting lawsuits that have been filed, um, right, likely not will be bundled. Mangering. Yeah, will be likely be bundled together, but they gave themselves power to control some of the the schedule related to cases, which I would say is much more important than in, you know controlling court personnel, et cetera, et cetera. Um, at the end of the day, like you know, the cases they decide are probably more important than how the court runs.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. I'm curious. Justice Ziegler is calling fallen or authority being limited, you know, citing precedent and longstanding practice, but. Not too long ago, when conservatives had the majority, there was a, you know, voted and changed to the Constitution, allowing justice to choose their chief. And they didn't take very long to replace the then liberal chief justice, Shirley Abramson. So how different is, is this? It's
1: different, I think, in a key way. And it's that when they removed Shirley Abramson, Abramson as chief justice, it was because voters had just... Change the constitution to say that justices should elect the chief justice rather than it being the longest tenured justice. At that point, you know, there was a court fight about it, uh, and, and it was kind of bitter and contentious, but they were well within their right to do it based on, you know, what Wisconsin voters had just said and how they had just changed the constitution. Now they're not removing as chief justice. She was just elected to a two-year term this spring. It's not totally clear if they could do that. They might be able to, they might not. Uh, it's never been tested before. This has never happened. Um, So instead, they're kind of giving a workaround where they're just taking away some of her powers as chief justice and giving them to the majority, uh, which is what, frankly, you would expect them to do given that they are now the majority. The court is, you know, often runs by who is in the majority. Legislative bodies run by who's in the majority. Makes sense that they're changing some of these things um, if you look at it from that perspective.
0: Yeah, it seems pretty standard in terms of like if you look at other systems and how they operate when someone new comes in they want their own people running stuff so uh one of the other big issues was over the director of state courts being removed uh from his admin administrative role he was a longtime ally conservative um staffer
1: ran ran for the court against shirley abramson several years before he was appointed director of state courts
0: yeah and so the removal was contentious Did you find out why it was so important for the liberal justices to replace Koshnik?
1: They have not said publicly why they fired Randy Koshnik. I'm sure they have their reasons. They have not come out and said them. They've been resistant to efforts to get answers to that question. I think it's a bit of a sticky situation to discuss personnel matters. But no, I mean, again, it goes back to the there is a new majority. And the emails that we obtained um, outlined it as a wanted to take the court in a new direction or a a change in direction in court and with the director of state courts. I don't remember what the exact quote was. And that, you know, new majority wanted to go a new way. uh, And that's what they did.
0: (laughs) As you mentioned, Wisconsin Watch, you guys obtained emails using open records uh, requests. Between the justices and the first weeks of Justice Janet joining the court, so when this transition was happening, can how would you describe the tone of those emails?
1: Contentious, I think, was the word I used at the start and I think is also appropriate here. They offer an interesting insight to kind of peel back the curtain and see how these kind of seven figures that have a lot of power and influence over life in Wisconsin operate behind the scenes. I mean, they are very direct with one another. At times they are argumentative. Sometimes some of the things that are said seem a little bit hostile. Like it, it the emails show that the first week and the first weeks, um, you know, we have them kind of over like a two-ish week period. It it was crazy and chaotic uh, behind the scenes. And there was really some kind of internal feuding going on the tone was, you know, contentious. And I think that that will remain for the foreseeable future, especially as there's this resistance between the liberal majority wanting to move forward on certain things quickly, the conservative majority wanting to slow things down. um, And that'll persist, especially as we have these very politically charged cases before the court, like redistricting, like, you know, an appeal potentially of, you know, a decision about Wisconsin's abortion ban, et cetera.
0: Right. And you all, you know, dedicated significant resources to do deep, you know, deep reporting on this. I'm really curious, what does this workplace drama mean for the public?
1: That is a great question. (laughs) I think accountability is always important. And I think that we have seen over the last, you know, 13 years, uh, and, and many folks will talk about this that are greater experts on this than I am, and I've done some reporting on this. We we have seen um, institutions in Wisconsin not work necessarily the way that you would expect them to. And getting to see behind the scenes of how the state Supreme Court, you know, the third branch of government, often does not get the attention that the governor and the legislature do. I, I think that it's really important. I think that uh understanding how they make decisions, not just what the decisions are, um, can be important. And and showing some of this behind the scenes and explaining the environment that exists right now can be really important uh and important context for people that live in Wisconsin. I mean that that's you and me uh to understand what's behind some of the decisions.
0: Yeah having worked in a number of workplaces, there's a concern about toxicity in workplaces and its impact on productivity. Like, can you get your work done? And if they are having trouble agreeing on basics or about rules and that sort of thing, I guess that's a question about how it might impact gumming up cases or might it slow things down?
1: Yeah, obviously there are there was some resistance. The conservative justices were asking their liberal colleagues, "Slow down. Let's talk about these rule changes. Let's talk about these operating procedure changes. Let's have a hearing." And they just the liberal justices just forged ahead. You know, they were voting on these things. Some of these things via email. Then they met in person to vote on some other things. There, there was no slowing them down, <laughs> and so. I don't necessarily think that this will uh you know inhibit the court's ability to handle business that comes before it. Like I said things are going to be contentious and you are going to see that in the writings of the court, uh, particularly in the dissents. Not that it will always be a 4-3 vote, sometimes they do form rather strange coalitions in terms of ideology and how they decide cases. We saw this um, last session, too, when the liberals were in, in the minority. Um, but, you know, on some of these contentious decisions, as people try to forecast how their things are going to be decided, it seems very likely that you could end up with some real uh, fiery members of the court uh, in the minority and dissenting. And so um, I think that that'll come through. I don't think it'll inhibit the court's ability to do their work, though.
0: OK, you haven't seen that from the email exchanges that you you went over like the processes are still moving forward. Work is still being done, just uh, a little bit with with higher tensions.
1: Based on the material that we've obtained that that's the case
0: what do you think about the role media is playing in this moment with our state supreme court uh it it doesn't seem like it's always been so spicy here and just knowing that the chief justice you know made this public statement shared with the media wanted he was hey look what's going on behind the scenes here look at what's what's happening what role do you think uh the media's playing in any sort of divisiveness or? Yeah.
1: I mean, I think that's, that's always a, a tough question. Uh, it's our job to report on these people and on these institutions um, and what they're doing and and what their actions mean for Wisconsinites. Uh, now, you know, are some members re- releasing records or leaking emails or they sharing them with reporters? Are they doing this? Are they doing that? Yes. I think that, you know, some members are trying to highlight that things are moving really fast and that there has been this really stark shift since Janet Protosiewicz was sworn in. Uh, I think other members have been resistant to, you know, sharing emails or releasing things because they want to, they want to like preserve the institution is what people often say. So I I think that it's, it's always a tough thing. This is our job to do this. Uh, And I think it should be done well and thoroughly. And I think that, you know, whatever the motives might be of the people um, sharing the information uh, are, are a little, you know, are probably wholly separate from the, uh, us reporting on it.
0: So you've also been following the possible impeachment of Justice Janet Protasewicz by GOP lawmakers. What's the latest we've heard about that?
1: Oh, man. Yeah. So <laughs> um, this this is kind of all over the place. We I feel like we get a new development in this every day. Um, effectively, it boils down to Republican members of the legislature are calling on Janet Protasiewicz to recuse herself from uh, a redistricting case, a pair of redistricting, redistricting cases that uh, have been filed with the court. Um, we'll see if they agree to hear them. And if she doesn't, they're threatening to impeach her and remove her from office. They're saying that she's prejudged the case uh, because she very famously, Justice Protasiewicz, when she was then candidate Um called Wisconsin's legislative districts rigged. Um, You know, she also made comments about abortion and abortion rights and how she was a believer in them, et cetera. And so, um, you know, they're they're accusing her of having prejudged these cases, and they think that that is potentially disqualifying uh, to remove her. Now, there was a complaint filed against her for making these very direct comments when she was running. Those complaints were dismissed as, you know, Things that a judge is allowed to say while they're campa- campaigning and they were dismissed apparently in May. And that only really came to light in the last uh, few couple of weeks. So um, where exactly are we in the impeachment saga? It's hard to tell. There's also, you know, discussion about whether or not they, c- they can impeach her or if they would have to seek to remove her through a different action which is referred to as address which is a different procedure it involves two-thirds vote of the assembly to remove a judge or justice Um, it's it's all over the place
0: (laughs) yeah and it sounds like we have parts of the pieces and there's a lot of things at play here like these big cases that, that we're expecting to hear the abortion ban the redistricting cases so it makes the timing of everything really important. Do we have any sense of when the court could take up or decide one of the several redistrict- redistricting cases that have been filed?
1: The thing is is that when exactly, you know, will they accept the case? When will they ask for briefing? When will they schedule oral arguments? Those are all that that's a little bit of a mixed bag. You know, the court can set the terms on those things. There is a deadline if this new liberal majority wants to take these cases or you know potentially bundle them together and consolidate them and hear them as one if they want to hear a challenge to Wisconsin's legislative districts under the claim that they violate the Wisconsin Constitution they find that if they violate the constitution they want to throw them out draw new ones and implement them there is a deadline they need to do this kind of by mid-March think about St. Patrick's Day and the reason is is that any new districts need to be provided to the Elections Commission so that the Elections Commission can implement them and then start to circulate papers so that people can get nomination signatures to actually appear on the ballot. So November 2024... You know, seems like a long ways away, right? A year and two months, roughly. (laughs) In reality, there's a partisan primary in August of next summer. You have to get on the ballot for that primary by a certain day. You need to take nomination signatures. So they're really looking, if they want to do this and they agree to do this, they're really looking at needing to, you know, be finished with this case by the middle of March, which, you know, that's more of a time crunch. I should note, Very similar timeline to the last redistricting lawsuit, um, which implemented the current districts, uh, which, of course, we all just went through um, not too long ago following the 2020 census.
0: Oh, man. Groundhog's Day. Time will tell, right? Jack, thank you so much for joining us and getting us up to speed on what's going on at the state Supreme Court. Really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: That's Jack Kelly, statehouse reporter for Wisconsin Watch. Find a link to his story, written with Matt DeFore in our show notes. And here's what else Madison's talking about. A couple political events happening this week. One on Thursday at the UW, a panel discussion on the road to 2024, the GOP presidential nomination. That'll be at the lovely education building on campus in the late afternoon. Speakers will include political scientists, a New York Times journalist, and Republican campaign consultants. That's a free event that requires registration, and this will also be live streamed. And this Friday, U.S. Senator Tammy Baldwin will be at the Madison Club for a Politics Luncheon to discuss current events and her work in D.C. If you're interested in either of those events, check out our show notes. We'll post the links. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this episode with a friend or a coworker you think is a champ at navigating workplace dynamics. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Until then.